with you know, brain development and massive drug use, my maturity level ended at about 18. That's where my mind kind of stopped. Failing. 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 I know. We talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. Trevor Steinhauser, so excited you're here today. A, because uh, I was on your show, but B, you have some amazing stories of uh, resilience. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I've been thinking about it all week. It's, I'm excited. Awesome. All right, my friends. So you grew up in Northern Kentucky. Fort Thomas. Fort Thomas. <clears throat> give a little background. Um, very from a very successful, financially successful family mm-hmm. in Northern Kentucky. You were one of three, baby. Okay. Older sister, older brother, seven years. Brother was seven years older. Sister five years older, and then I don't know if I was a whoopsie daisy Ooh. or or what. But. Or a gift. Or a gift. Gift to me. <laughs> You're sweet. <laughs> it's true. Um, and it's. It's always cool because every guest that I have, I know that they're meant to be on the show, and our paths have crossed a couple times, and they just continue to to cross. So it's really it's really great to have you today. All right, so okay, grew up in Northern Kentucky, did that whole that whole life, right? Catholic school, private school, public. The the school system in Fort Thomas it's is really good. tops. That's right in, in the state. So um, yeah, it's. Uh, independent school system so it was i would say semi-private so to speak you know it is okay um you want to start your journey or is your journey sort of start well um as far as like um i would say instantly you know uh, at 18 months i fell down a flight of wooden stairs fractured my skull and so I say my story started there. Okay. Because as things progressed throughout my life, it was a train wreck. And I think that started a lot of it as far as my mental health is concerned. Yeah. How so, and so where how did what uh started to behavioral mental health wise started to come out in grade school, high school? Grade school just off, you know, all over the place. Like hyperactive. ADD, yes, ADD. ADHD okay. in the truest sense of the term. Just hyperactive, can't retain information, can't sit still. And back then, was there medicine for that? And oh, yeah. there was, okay, so. All Ritalin, right. six years old. Okay. Therapy. Right. So I'm, you know, my, the moment my mom saw that there was something you know, different. I, I needed some sort of aid. Mm-hmm. That's what we did: therapy and doctors' offices and therapists' offices. And uh, so that was my, the norm for you. Yeah, in the in the crazy. And I, since I've been sober, thinking my memory has become like crazy good. But I don't know if it worked. And I don't know if if the meds worked. I don't mm. know if the therapy worked. Obviously, <laughs> as we get into things, obviously it didn't. But I don't know if, but it didn't then. But maybe along the way, it helped to where you are now. 
could be. Right. Yeah. I mean. but, so, but that, but that was it. I mean, it, it was it was medication. It was seeing therapists, and but but still, virtually extremely happy. My, okay. my upbringing okay. was, I mean, no neglect, no abuse, two parents. I mean, it was Brady City. Yeah. I mean, literally. Yeah. We uh, everything. It was happy, fun, but. Th- I would have more concussions. You know, so I've, I would say Football. my numbers always change, but no, <laughs> just being a boy. I mean, 10 concussions by the time I was, you know, okay. in my, in my life, full okay, blown. But you know, that's not just being a boy. That's like a lot of concussions. Oh yeah. Okay. But, but I'm, but I meant not being a boy. These were not sports. This was okay. just like falling off of stuff Okay. and falling off my bike and falling off a, of, you know, structures and right onto my face. And so head and do you, so you think those concussions had an impact on mental health for you? Oh, 1000%. So it's not, is there any genetic mental health in the family? Yes. Okay. But I always say this, but I'm the first diagnosed alcoholic in our family. Okay. And I would say the first diagnosed person of concern. But there is, it, it, as I look back, back to my memory thing, looking at my tree and blowing things out. Yeah, it, it's there. It, it's there generationally. Uh, but I'm was. It's only been talked about with me. You know what I mean? It, it never came up before, but I see it now. Yes. Yeah. So yes, the the answer is yes. So there's genetics. There's the head injuries, and so it manifested itself with not only the hyperactivity. And things like that, but I wasn't a bad kid. Yeah. But I was just fidgety and always the life of the party, always the center of attention, which meant I was a distraction yeah. for a lot of my teachers. But I was a sweet little cute boy, so I got away <laughs> with a lot of stuff. But my the addictive behaviors surprisingly came out early. What Six do you remember? Of, earliest. I just remember one thing I I remember was, and this isn't really an addiction thing, but I remember whenever we would be out, Kings Island or or wherever. Yeah. I would, I loved watching people smoke cigarettes. Oh my gosh. As a kid, just obsessed. Yeah. And when anybody, right when they flicked their cigarette butt out, I would just beeline it over and try and pick these cigarettes (laughs) up and smoke these people's cigarettes. My dad would horse collar me. Oh because gosh. I mean, not only I mean I was in tune, but it was just what whatever felt whatever gave me any sort of joy, I just beat it to death, and that was having sleepovers, playing sports, whatever. I never wanted to end that. That was the yeah. thing. Yeah, from that early, and it that just did nothing but perpetuate es- es- escalate throughout my life. I mean, it was just whatever gave me joy. And I think a lot of it was, and then there was self-esteem that came with this confusion, you know, the confusion of the, these head injuries. I would, you know, from six, seven, eight years old, panic attacks. Mm-hmm. What I know now are panic, panic. attacks. You didn't every know night, then. Every night. Every night? Before, only right before I went to sleep, everything was good. And then I would get, I would calm myself, I would lay down, and it was just like a drums or tuning fork, just... Just it was madness in my head, 
Oh my it was God. complete man. So could pressure you on art- the chest, articulate like, that to your mom or your dad? No. And again, with the therapy, I don't know. I didn't know how to do that. I know. You know what I mean? So off we went to the next one. When she saw that it wasn't being effective. When your mom saw the certain therapist wasn't being effective, yeah. off to the next one. Right. So she wasn't giving up. No. No, because there was a, and then academics, I was just, I was, I was behind. Yeah. You know, and then I got down on myself. Why am I behind? Why am I having these just crazy nightmare type experiences at night? Yeah. Why am I like this? Why am I thinking the crazy stuff that I'm thinking? Just. And how long did that go for? myself out. A few years, you know, and the funny thing is. Yeah. I asked my mom, this was recently. I said, was there any, I remember having these, this is within the last two months I asked her this. Was there any, I remember having these panic attacks. Yeah. Did you see anything? Do you recall anything? And a couple of days later, she called me back and she said, I remember for a couple of years, every night you would wake up screaming. Poor little guy. I mean, screaming. And we put it together and it had to be the same that stretch time. of years. So I think, you know, who knows what was going on, but I know in my heart of hearts that these mass, this head trauma was taken. It, so it, it rocked I don't me think to this is necessarily associated with the head trauma piece, but I don't know if you know that the anxiety of children today is much higher than mm-hmm. it was for us. Mm-hmm. And... I just think not having children, but if I had a child who had high anxiety, you you don't know exactly what they're going through. And it would be so hard to support and get them help. I know there are a lot of different options I have a daughter, today. I have a 12-year-old daughter that has anxiety. She does. She's going through it right now. And so, and I think it helps because I've been through it and we have yeah. an open line of communication, but I, you still don't know. So what do you do with her? It's not... Sad to say, but it's the same kind of thing. She's taken medication, which has helped her immensely. Yeah. Uh, She's talked to somebody and it's really more of, um, she knows that we can talk through things now, Mm -hmm. but it, and it's academics. It's the, the genes are amazing. Right. Because she has, it's a carbon copy. Totally. ADD. Genes don't lie. She's ADD. She's got anxiety. But when we, this medication, along with some talk therapy, turned this little girl from a scared into this blossoming little social butterfly, you know, so grade part still struggles, but I would much rather have a healthy, emotionally healthy child. Well, and I just, I'm sure she feels safe knowing that like you get it and you understand. I, I think so. I think it can be because I've had I have struggled with anxiety too, and I think it can be so isolating. And that's the lie that the illness tells you that you're you know you're crazy or this shouldn't be. It's all irrational, illogical thoughts. Um, So having with the aid now of social media, like you said before, it's harder today, way harder. Mm -hmm. So we just have to. Yeah. Keep keep, keep doing up. what your mom did for you. Right. Okay. So you hit high school. Is high school different from grade school? You start so drinking I, in high so school. So there's still, or grade yeah. School? So there's still this happy, 
Chris Farley type, wanted to be, always wanted to act. When I saw Chris Farley for the first time, yeah, that's what I wanted to do with my life. And I told my parents right then, I said, this is what I want to do. Because I was already acting. I was doing these, you know, I would make up these elaborate <laughs> lies and elaborate, you know, just tell these tall tales of his storyteller since I was a kid, you know, yeah. just part of the deal. Um, but the, I got, uh, self-conscious and, you know, didn't like who I was and, yeah. and that kind of stuff, but, but masked it with this big personality, which I still wonder, cause I think that's still my true nature, but I think I was, I was putting some extra meat on it to make sure that people didn't see what was you really, really going felt, on. Yeah. So 15, had my first drink. Smoke pot for the first time, all, I mean, that all came pretty back to back to back. And it served its purpose. Mm -hmm. I mean, it helped me. It helped me to check out. Well, I think for a, a lot of people that end yeah. up with an issue, it helped mask what was going on inside of me. Yeah, numb. And then the part that I liked it, Right. You know, so there's layers. And so it was just a, a perfect storm of it went very quickly to uh I did it often. Daily. Yeah. The the marijuana became daily in high school. Okay. Yeah, for sure. And then that led to I'm um falling behind academically. I'm a pothead by my senior year. Legit. Okay. And uh, and you had cash. Yeah. You you could get that so you could buy it. Yep. And, you know, but my parents never said anything. You know, Did they it, know? I mean, I would go, I mean, I from three o'clock until six o'clock, once the bell rang, I would jump in my car with my buddies and we would, you know, rip cigs and smoke <laughs> joints and, <laughs> you know, and then I would throw on Cody Musk or whatever, nice, you know, nice. and go home. Yeah. And I know I had to smell like a, you know, right. cigarette. Right. But they never said anything. And I don't know if that's, my dad told me once, because my parents partied. I mean, they were, they, they enjoyed themselves, but he, they never got into drugs. Yeah. They like whiskey, but they never got into the drug stuff. But so they never, it never came up. So yeah. it was like. The, and they were never going to bring it up. And so, so I continued. Okay. So you just, continue through. High school and, and then in college. That's all. I what did. happens? College. College was just a Blur. five years of debauchery. And did, when did drugs start to come in? So I so smoked weed daily. Daily, um, and then I saw cocaine for the first time at eighteen. Four three months into my college career, scared to death. And, and meanwhile, I'm a scared little kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? I yeah. mean, I am a, a this impressionable, gullible little dude that's just latching on to whatever. A boy. Correct. And so I, I ended up trying it for, for the, the first few times I saw it, I was too scared to do it. But then I did it. And that was another thing that allowed me to you know, just blow money and, you know, <laughs> just <laughs> absorb myself. And be somebody that you're not. Right. And, and I and I was I anything to get out of having to deal with 
even though I was this social, I mean, I was the social chairman of our fraternity. Yeah. I mean, like on the outside, on the outside, but the inside, I'm, you know, I had my first bout of depression in college. Okay. And that was, that's when I knew, that's when I started to realize the difference between, uh, between anxiety and depression. Okay. Because this was full on depression. And with the help of medication, uh, I was able to get through that. So did they say to you, hey, you probably need to cut out the substances too? Who, the therapist? Yeah. I didn't tell them that. You didn't? They oh. didn't have any idea? No. I did not say, are you using illicit drugs? If there was a she, I would have checked no. <laughs> are you smoking cigarettes? Are you drinking alcohol? You know, no. Are you snorting cocaine? Right. I, right. I would have they, not have checked right. that box. You wouldn't have? I'm just kidding. No. Okay, so. And so the, the the cocaine is not, it, that does not take off like marijuana does. I'm doing that when people have it. All right. And, but, uh, but that, and I tried other stuff. I mean, I, I, I kind of ran through the garden. Yeah. But nothing kind of, nothing was an issue, air quotes. Okay. And so I got out, and so our family has a uh, fourth-generation packaging company uh, in northern Kentucky. And so we were groomed as children that this is what we're going to do. Right. And for me, that was it, was, it was a double-edged sword because it was a pressure cooker mm. because I never, like this... When I got out of college, I told my dad that I wanted to go try this acting thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, and I think that's a little far-fetched. Sweetest human being in the world. But that was just, and that's all he had to say. Yeah. Because I believed him. And that was also a generational response. Sure. He said, you got a week off, you're going to come work and you're going to sell printing. Which scared me to death. Yeah. And, uh. But that's all I had. I had no skills. I, mean, I was a burnout. I, I was, you know, I was brain damage. Firmly believe that there's brain damage involved here. So the the academic part of it, that's all I had. Yeah. But also in the back of my mind, going through college, I knew that 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 I had this card to play. Sure. So where's my motivation? Yeah. I've already. I've always. I was already told that. I can't go do what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. So, hey, I got a desk. I got a cubicle, a phone, a business card. Everything's waiting for me. Might as well just live it up. And so that's what I did. And didn't seem it did not seem like much of a choice. No. And he always wanted me to be in sales because if you would, if you would know me, you would see my personality. You would think, born salesman. Yes. But it was the scare, cold calling, it still gives me, makes me want to throw up. I just didn't want to do it. Yes. But he said, here's a stack of business cards. You do you it. You go do so it. So I would sit in my cubicle. This is 2001 when I get out of college. I would just sit there and I would hear his ankles crack when he <gasps> turned the corner. And I'd pick up the phone. I'd say, sounds great. <laughs> we're going to get those. Yeah. I'll get those samples right out to you. Uh, yeah. The proofs. And yeah, we're going to be good. This is going to be great. Yeah, giving him the thumbs up. He'd give him the thumbs up and I'd hang up. I mean, I didn't do anything. Miserable. So then we tried marketing and then we tried estimating. We tried to do all these things, but I just. Your heart wasn't in it. Never. Not not from the start. I mean, I would see the pictures of my my great grandparents and my grandparents and my mom and dad. And I mean, there was genuine 
respect. Sure. And but it was genuine obligation. Yeah. So I just never fit in. But I got to work with my sister, my brother, and my dad. Yes. Which was made that all worth it, you know. But I just just totally limped through the beginning of my professional career. And then uh, 2005, our hundredth year in business, mm-hmm. switching technologies completely. Okay. I'm getting married. Okay. And That's our dad. Year I got married too. Really? Mm-hmm. And then our dad gets diagnosed with terminal brain cancer. Okay. All like boom, 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 boom. Massive change in one year. Oh. And so he was like, we were, he was my guy. Yeah. I mean, as close as you could be. The only thing that keeps me coming to this place. Is him. Is him. Period. Yeah. And so from that day, I mean, he, he went into surgery the, in the day after we f- found out that he had a brain tumor and he was gone, you know, just incapacitated, no longer could work. Oh, okay. You know, within a, you know, here one day, gone the next. Mm-hmm. So now it's on my sister and I. And she was already, she was president at the time. Okay. Ironically enough, named the week before. No by, way. By our board, yeah. And I don't know if they saw something coming, but but she was already groomed and ready to rock and running the show anyway. So we were blessed yes. in that regard. And we were also blessed to have a board of directors yes. outside of non, the family. Non-family. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it basically it was, all right, you guys are up. Mourn on your own time. We're friends with your dad too, but we got a business to run. Yeah. So then it was, I'm in. Like this is. what well, I'm called. I got to I'm, do I'm this. now called and now I see my forever purgatory. Yeah. Even though I'm. Inside, I want, I know it. I know what I'm doing. I know the talk. I know, you know, I'm, I'm learning as I go, but it's just, my heart's not in it. But now there's this another level of obligation. Yeah. Um, but him being my best friend, I didn't know how to handle it. So my drugs, alcohol, which I'd already still been doing, partying. Okay. But, but this, it, it was not, a, I did not have... I've been an alcoholic since I was probably five, S- since forever. Yeah. You know what I mean? Th- yeah. That, the mentality of it. Yeah. But I was never, it was a weekend thing, you know? I, sure, I, you know, I'd sure. play golf and smoke weed, you know, but it wasn't like it was in college. I mean, I was not yeah. doing it, but that escalated. That was After all After he got, yes. Okay. And I threw, I gave up. I was sad. I was mad. I'm, I just got married. I have no idea what I'm doing in this this business. If, if my sister would get hit by a bus, yeah, we'd be totally screwed. Okay, but in the in the other breath, I would say, why am I not the president? Got it. My name's on the building. Yeah, you know. I mean, maybe I'll just I'll figure this some stuff out, and then I'll be in the big chair eventually. Well, knowing that that would never. I would never be able to do what she does. Right. I mean, because she's just got it buttoned up. That led to our, my sister and I bought the company. Okay. 2007. 
Is your uh, dad still living? No, he passed away in 2006, so 18 okay. months. Okay. Right? And he, uh, it, it took him. Um, Do you have kids then, at this point? Nope. Okay. Uh, and then another wrinkle is we have an older brother. Yes. Who's adopted. Okay. And uh, played that adoption card pretty hard. Never would really... Like we weren't as tight as we should have been. It was always played the black sheep card. You know he what I did. Mean? Yes. And would pull back from you guys. Yes. Well, the day our dad died, he disowned my sister and I. We did not talk for 12 years. My goodness. And this is the... This when is, he says this to you that day, are you sober? What? When he disowned you that day, like does he bring that up with you guys? Well, I mean, there was no face-to-face. He just stopped Oh, he talking. just yeah, stopped. He, okay. he, he exited the company, and then it was a, a fiasco um, of – it just turned into a, a, a an infighting thing, and right. we ended up not talking for 12 years. And that was a uh, – turned out to be a, you know, a life-changing experience. So we – Which had, we're going to get to, right? Right, right. So – so that's 2006. Have our first daughter, 2007. I am in a huge depression. Okay. After my dad died. Okay. Can't get out of it. And is ha- this like in bed all day, or is this just like self medicating a ton? Self medicating and not being an attentive husband and yeah. be sad and, and not present. Not present. Okay. That, that's the best way to put it. Okay. With anything. Have another daughter. 2009, happy father, but I can't be as happy as I think I should be because I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm a mess. Going out more. I mean, that the, the, the social scene is, is hot and heavy. I mean, I'm going out, I'm drinking, I'm using drugs, I'm doing everything, but nothing just, just floating through life. So then we have a gap and in and so this is 2013 um, do not like what I'm doing at work. Okay. And uh, trying to like it know it fronts frontwards and backwards but I'm just not getting any satisfaction. So we have a son 2013 November 2013. Now I have three kids yeah. under 6. Wow. Married owner of a business successful business and in february 2014 i'm out with a friend having dinner yeah and i asked him if he could get any cocaine because i was just wallowing it just i'm just sad you know just a total just a, a mess and so he did asked for it again a couple weeks later yeah and then a pattern starts to develop well, I get in touch with, I go from middlemen helping me get it to mm-hmm. talking straight to this person. Straight to the drug dealer. To the drug dealer. Okay. And the first time I meet him personally. Uh, Can I ask a stupid question? Huh? Like, do drug dealers usually not, like, do you usually not know them? Like, do they keep a low profile or no? No. 
sound like this drug kingpin, but I'm not. I was just some dude that got addicted, right. you know. But yeah. I, I would say that he had no choice with me because I was going to get, <laughs> I will you call him 150,000 yeah. times until he answered. Yeah. So we met. He said, okay, I'm just letting you know Can now. I just say something? We were just talking about that and you just did a huge sniffle. <laughs> hey. That was, that was, that like, for the books. talk about like an old habit. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, keep going. So he said, I'll never not have this. I always have this. What great customer service he gave you. The first time I met him. And I'm always around. Call me anytime. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And for this, and this is another interesting thing, and, and with you know, brain development and massive drug use, my maturity level yeah. ended at about 18. Yes. That's where my mind kind of stopped. Yes. So I'm an immature 35-year-old father, husband, right. child, really. Right. And so he tells me this, that's all I needed to hear. And I knew in the back of my mind when I shut that, when I, when he left mm -hmm. where we met, I said, this could become a, a big problem. I said that. I, I remember saying that this can be a problem because all I care about in life. Where did you meet him? Is more. Yeah. More of anything. I know. I like more of this. And it's too. not just chemicals. It's whatever. Yeah. I just need to know that there is an unlimited supply and then I'm good. And yes. that's what happened with this cocaine. Wait, where'd you meet him? I know that's a random question, but I'm so curious. Where, like, where did I physically meet him? Yeah. At our office. Does he look like normal Joe when he walks in? He looks like what you would think. Like a movie type drug dealer guy. Okay. Suave, Rick Suave, you know. Okay. Like, do you meet him in the office or like in the- in No, the, like, in the, the the, like in the parking lot. You know, okay. After okay. hours, you know, that kind of thing. But okay. he's downtown. We're in Newport. Yes. We, it, it took like seven and a half minutes. It was a nightmare of customer service. Like it was the- over before it began. Do you think it would be like, it was like the Disney of customer service? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's all I, you know, that's, that's all. Yeah. For me, it was a, it was I, we a, laugh it was about this, tornado. but it's not funny. Yeah. You know, well, right, sure. listeners, no, but it was I'm a, not, yeah. It was a perfect storm for someone like me. I, I fell into a, a trap and, yeah. and it very quickly became a daily thing. habit. Yes. Yeah. And I'm doing it at work. I'm doing it at home. I'm sleeping probably three hours a night, maybe. Oh God, Trevor! And it's the three. And it's the three hours where my two little girls are coming down stairs in the basement trying to wake me up so we can watch cartoons in the morning. Can't get up. So it's just life is just bad. Yeah, it's bad, and it gets worse. So, um, so I've got the job I don't like. Marriage is. I'm not holding up my end of the bargain as a father, as a husband, as a business owner, as a friend. I'm just as a brother. No, and I, I my my sister and I are close. She's got has no clue. My brother despises us, and so you know when our dad died, and your anchor started, of your dad is gone. Yeah, he was the glue, and to see a family crumble, and for one, you know it was it was crazy. Um, so year and a half, this goes on 
and it gets it gets really bad. Yeah. And I get intervened by my friend, two of my friends and my sister, and they were seeing a therapist to figure out how to intervene with me because my my behavior was so erratic. It, it was starting. I was, you know, you're you're sneaky in the beginning. You know, we can yeah. we can hide. We a think bit. we're super sneaky, right. but then it probably got grotesquely bad, and I was going into psychosis somehow. I was crazy. Yeah. Um, thought the cops were after me and I would stare out the window, you know, just, it was just, it was bad news. Um, so I get, finally get intervened, but it wasn't by my sister and my two friends who were working to help me. I got a call from the DEA. Oh my God. October 5th or something, 2015. Surveillance had been going on. They pop the drug dealer. They want to talk to me because I'm seeing this guy in this big SUV three times a week. Right. So, so I think they thought I was trying to help him move it or whatever. But anyway, you, I you do you think the DEA thought that you were part of the yeah. circle? Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yeah. yeah. And so I <clears throat> I got to go downtown and face these guys and talk to them. And so I did that. It was. I don't know the. Oh my God. You've explained 12th, this to me before. The 12th. So explain when you walk in there what's Okay. Happened. So, yeah. So um, I get to the parking garage, this down, building downtown. The federal, the federal building. building. Mm hmm. And I pull into the, the parking garage and. Are you using at this point or have you stopped? I went on. I, I And I actually told the guy, I said, I got to go on a. The, the, Four days before when he actually made that phone call, I said, I gotta go. I'm going to Denver on a business trip for four days. He said, well, the moment that you touch the ground, we need to talk to you. So I had my last drink in Colorado, but I wasn't doing any cocaine. Okay. okay. I was scared. I mean, I was a, you know. Wreck. wreck total wreck. Should never have gone on the business trip. That was not, it was not uh, effective. Um, so anyway, I get, I get back. I call him. I said, okay, I'm back. Let me come down. And Do you call an attorney? Nope. You just go by yourself. Didn't even, this is the 18-year-old. I'm an 18-year-old. Did you tell even anyone that this has happened? No, absolutely not. You have no one? No. No one? Mm -mm. And I didn't even, it didn't cross my mind to call an attorney. Didn't even cross my mind. Okay, so you walk in there. So I pull in the parking garage. I yep. said, I can either, I can back out of here right now. I got a couple choices. I can back out. Yeah. Act like nothing's going on and just ride it out. I can go in there and act foolish and tell a bunch of lies and bob and weave and try and get out of it. Or I can just go in there and just Own be up to honest it. with whatever they have in their pocket. And so that's what I did. I went in there. I sit across this huge conference room table. I mean, something out of god. like a movie. Oh my god. And six feds. Sit across the table from me. S Six. Not across the table. None of them even sit on the same side no, as you. No, this is scare tactic city. And I am <laughs> losing it, you know? And so they read me my rights. Can I ask, are you like crying or no? You not, I didn't, not in the beginning. Okay, okay. And so they, you know, they start peppering me with questions. They're naming times. They're naming times naming outfits of places of, oh of nights that they could have arrested me, places that I was. And I'm like, there must have like, been a drone or, or something. Or any of them, were you with your kids with any of those times or no? 
Were you- uh, I was I was with my wife once. Uh, who knows? Probably. Yeah. Uh, who knows? Who, who knows how close they got? You know, I, I don't know. But then I started crying. I lost it. I say, guys, I am a husband, I'm a father, business owner, and I have a raging drug problem. Yeah. And I think they saw that. I think they. So all it took was one meeting, but they said, okay, we're not going away. This is not going away. Right. We're going to call you back. Probably not today, probably not tomorrow. Because we want you to testify against your dealer or whatever. Who knows? He's like, this is just getting going, but you need to get right with your life because this is not going away. So I go home. I fess up to my sister. I fess up to my wife. I fess up to everybody. Yeah. And so- I am suspended from work. So sure. I've got this potential ownership, you know, that could fall through. Who knows what legally is going to happen? And then I, um, so I had no choice, but I was in a position where I was done, mentally drained. I didn't want to be like this. It was, it was hell on earth. Yeah. Scared. Um, so I went to rehab and while I'm in rehab, my brother gets diagnosed with melanoma. Okay. So now you're bringing us back full circle. Yeah. So you reach out to him. No. No. I, no, I try. I mean, I sent him a message. Right. Every birthday telling him I loved him. Okay. You know? Yeah. Okay. So I, so he gets diagnosed at 15. I go through my recovery. He's still, he, they get his cancer, get better, still doesn't want anything to do with this. Yeah. In the face of certain death, 2018, August, it comes back. Yeah. Comes back in his brain, spinal fluid, given six months. So at that point, I had to force myself into his life. Yeah. And my sister and I did that, and it killed him in three weeks. And were you guys able to? We were able to say, I love you, and, and do that kind of uh, very brief. Think- do you think that's that would not have happened if you weren't sober? Absolutely not. And if I wasn't if I was not in recovery, I would have relapsed. Because I was convinced after I gave his eulogy mm. that I was going to go get drunk. Really? Oh yeah. Cuz I was back into this I'm back bebopping in and out of depression and you know I'm I'm now giving the second eulogy. I gave my dad's. Your dad's. Now I'm giving my brother's. Yeah. And there was a point, you know, in my mind where I'm like, you know what? Give up. Forget it. Yeah. I mean, so anyway, I was able to, you know, stick to my plan and I knew that's not what anybody would have wanted. And so, yeah, that's, and yeah, so. So two things that listeners I'm sure are going to want to know. A, has the DEA called back since mm-hmm. then? I got an attorney after that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure after he did, that buddy. Meeting. Nope, they didn't. Okay. And that drug dealer did, I believe you told me he he is in jail. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yep. Okay. And since then, I want to hear, I, a lot of people talk about the gifts of sobriety. Mm-hmm. So why don't you share a couple of your gifts? You have to talk about the podcast. Yeah. So that was, so I decided not to go back to work. Uh, yep. And that kind of gave me this, you know, second chance of doing maybe something that I uh, love love or was meant to do and early in recovery the thought of a podcast that this radio and tv thing kept popping into my head i got to do something 
to get my emotion, very emotional, get my emotions out and talk to people and help people. And, yeah. and I think a lot of us that go through uh, addiction or, or any sort of struggle uh, want to help yeah. when, when we turn the corner. And so the thought of a podcast came up and, um, and we have a, a mutual friend who helped hook me up with you and yeah. I listened to your stuff as I was building this in my mind. And so you have a big part of me getting this thing to fruition. So thank you. So the name of the podcast and is it's stig awesome. Stigmatized. Stigmatized. And it's all about behavioral health, mental health and addiction and anything in between. Yeah. It just listening to, same as you, just listening to people's stories to provide hope for others that may be going through a similar struggle, period. Yeah. And trying to shed the light. You have, you have people nationally. So you've had people come in from New York. I mean, you've your guests are all over. Yeah, you, I mean, you've had some amazing guests. Yeah. And, and so it's, it's just getting the word out, talking about it. Yeah. Because people, you know, there is still a stigma about mental health and addiction. Totally. And so it's just a matter of trying to chip away at that and let people know that it's okay to talk about it. It's okay to go through it. And having a mental health struggle does not mean that you're crazy. It means that you're human. Right. Yeah. And, and to struggle and with the hopes of touching somebody and having them, you know, make a breakthrough and know that it doesn't have to be like that. It doesn't have to be staring out windows and being in constant paranoia and having the, you know, federal government call you. It, you don't have to live in a, a pit of hell. Yeah. It, it can get better. And it, and you're, you are living. And it's gotten better. Testimony to that. So it's just, so I'm having the most fun that I've ever had. And being across from you, who honestly helped me immensely, even before we even met, mm, um, to, to actually pull the trigger on doing this, it's just, it's a total thrill. Well, it is your gift back to the world, my friend. So thank you. And thank you for being on today. Thanks. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>